Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. On today's show, we're just going to talk about a few smaller topics. This will definitely be the shortest Camp Koji in history because honestly, there really isn't anything super duper major to talk about. Just wanted to address a few smaller stories that made the rounds last week, starting with a quick update on last week's story about Hyenas. According to developers who worked on it, Hyenas was the single most expensive video game Sega has ever made. So for those that didn't tune in last week, Hyenas was a multiplayer, you know, free to play at one point. Then it was supposed to be a premium title at another point, but it was a multiplayer shooter that was created by Creative Assembly and published by Sega. At one point, Sega had called it their super game. That was the way that they referred to it. That's probably code for this game is going to make us a lot of money, which is probably what they thought it would, um, which is why they invested so much money into it. Uh, from what we know internally from developers, the story was corroborated by Video Games Chronicle, a pretty trusted source. They say one anonymous developer, when asked what went wrong, cited multiple reasons, including, quote, a total lack of direction and leadership that was asleep at the wheel. That same dev also claimed an engine change partway through the process didn't help the team working on the game. Uh, This is sort of like uh, you could put this on a list in terms of like bullet points of historically things that will always crater a video game. (laughs) One of them is switching engines midway. That's pretty much a a death march at that point when you're talking about developing a video game. Another one that we've seen time and time again is this total lack of direction, which, you know, right now when it comes to development cycles, lack of direction is really something that uh, has plagued so many titles. And part of that also is I think lack of direction in terms of what what's the end product supposed to look like what what what's the monetization supposed to look like which is why it's so important to have someone at the helm that when you decide you're going to make a free-to-play or a freemium type of game how important it is to have someone on the monetary the monetary side that entire time to look at the development to discover and find things that basically would be pulled away from the game and sold in a shop, whether it's skins, animations, whatever, what have you, uh, that you want to do. But as I said last week, really the biggest problem with this game was the fact that you're, you're taking a team that historically, uh, has never created something like this and wanting them to create a, a free to play game. Free to play, in my opinion, is probably like the lowest rung in terms of someone's desire to become a developer, <laughs> you know, when it comes to, Uh, creating a video game you know developers when they make games they're more than happy just for you to play it to experience something unique there's not really any part of that process in terms of being passionate for developing a video game where nickel and diming people become something that you're passionate about and i feel like that's sort of another wrench that we've seen thrown when a game goes from a regular release to something that's free to play reminds me a lot of like Platinum Games with Babylon's Fall when when they first showed it. I was like, wow, this looks really cool. This looks like classic Platinum Games. 
And all of a sudden it came back with this new look and they announced free to play. I was like, oh, this is dead. This is this is definitely dead. I called it the moment that trailer came, came out. I was 100% correct. And then it also reminds me of something like Suicide Squad, where you take this team that created what is, in in my opinion, the greatest superhero game of all time. Uh, one of, if not the greatest video game trilogy of all time, which is uh, the Batman Arkham trilogy. And then you take that team and you tell them to create a service title. And then you look at the trailer, look at the result, and you just see how solid it is. There is there is no soul put into it. It's so obvious. It's so clear as day. It's so apparent. And that kind of felt the same way about Hyenas. Uh, I'm just sort of surprised that Sega would invest that much money into it. According to this developer, it was their single most expensive video game. I think before this, it was, you know, at Justice for Inflation, it probably was Shenmue. I think Shenmue at that time was like 70 million, which I can't even imagine how much that would be now. Um, adjusted for inflation. So I'm a little bit surprised that there was no attempt to sort of salvage something out of this, you know, with it being apparently that expensive. Uh, another story that was making around last week was a lot of cyberpunk talk. CD Projekt Red announced that Cyberpunk 2077 has sold over 25 million copies and the expansion sold over 3 million copies in its first week, they also revealed that they spent over $80 million on Phantom Liberty. I do think that that also includes the cost of their 2.0 update, where they basically got the game to where it was supposed to be at launch. You know, it took them three years to do it. Um, I have not tried it yet. I had seen certain places that an SSD was required, and my SSD is... is is full right now. I have to buy another drive, but in the meantime, I was going to, um, try installing it to a hard drive just to at least try the 2.0 update. Apparently it is runnable. It's not like something that, you know, it won't let you launch it if it's on a hard drive. So I still have yet to try out, um, 2.0. I have definitely been one of CD project reds, biggest critics over the last few years i say I, I would say cd project red more so than cyberpunk because for as much as i disliked cyberpunk at launch uh, it you know my my personal experience with the game was ruined i understand that there are a lot of people like look i played it on xbox series um x and my experience was ruined point blank 100 percent was ruined by bugs is understandable why there's a lot of people out there that say, no, the game was great from the very beginning. A lot of those people played on really good PCs. Or, you know, it's something that I have absolutely noticed when it comes to games that, you know, we like to say launch broken or are very buggy. It really is, you know, your mileage may vary. There's a lot of people that I see online talking about Star, uh, uh, Starfield that the game crashes every few hours. I personally never seen that. I'm having an issue right now where I'm running through new game pluses in Starfield. And every time I end a run in my new game plus, it crashes. And I have to kind of like do that ending sequence again. That's something online that others, other people have encountered, but some haven't. Some people have encountered bugs with getting all the powers. I encountered that. Some people didn't. So, it, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way with Cyberpunk, where I can only speak from my own personal experience. But I, I'm more of a critic of CD Projekt Red more so than I was of Cyberpunk. Like, I still believe 
that Cyberpunk as it was delivered was not really the game that was sold. I, I kind of do stick to that. But I'm more of a critic of the way that CD Projekt Red hid the console versions of Cyberpunk and how they used NDAs and how they manipulated certain outlets to put out reviews uh, with, you know, really bad NDA tactics, sort of saying, yeah, you could put out a review, but you can't use your own footage. You have to use the PC footage that we provide. That type of stuff, in my opinion, you know, is inexcusable. Um, so I, I, I will absolutely praise that team for finally getting the game out that they always wanted. Uh, I know some people are like, oh, wow, let's, let's, let's praise um, CD Projekt Red for investing all this money. Uh, you know, these guys sold over 10 million copies in like a week or something like that. So, you know, it, it's not like they're, they're digging deep into their personal accounts, you know, in order to spend the money uh, to fuel this game. Uh, they absolutely had the money ready and willing um, uh, to do it. And I think that they understood that, you know, part of it, yes, I'm sure there were a lot of developers in there that were like, we want to deliver the game that we were always supposed to if we had the time to do it. We want to do this. But I think also on the business side, it just it's just good business. It's good business for them, not only just for their personal brand for CD Projekt Red moving forward, knowing that there's uh, a bunch of Witcher games that they're banking a lot of money on. There's a Cyberpunk sequel. There's a Cyberpunk world that they're banking money on, right? The anime did really, really good. I'm really hoping for another season. That that first season was absolutely amazing. There were there was an announcement last week that they're working on something live action for Cyberpunk. So, you know, CD Projekt Red is very interested in making Cyberpunk huge. And I think for that, it was, is, and continues to be great PR for them to have done what they did, which was to release a, a 2.0. I also do agree, you know, as a lot of people are saying like, wow, this is the end of Cyberpunk. They did announce that that's it. They're not developing anything more. I'm sure they'll, they'll you know, obviously still squash bugs and do stability updates and stuff like that. But now, you know, the game is, you know, the game's future is really in the hands of modders now. They've they've officially announced that Phantom Liberty, Liberty was their last expansion. And I, I personally agree with it. I think they made their money. The game is in a state right now where it is a great game, right? They're gonna, they already announced they're gonna release a, uh, what do you call it, complete edition that has the game and Phantom Liberty packed in. So the game is going to continue to make money for them. I think similar in the same way that The Witcher 3 did. You know, the 2.0 update and the Phantom Liberty expansion are getting great reviews. And I think I, I agree with them, which is like, you know, let's kind of put this to bed. The only thing that we can hope for is that a lesson was learned here. And I, I, I think the lesson that they need to take, number one, is that the next game has to be exclusive to whatever this next generation is going to be. Uh, obviously, that was their biggest mistake is, you know, not believing in uh, a generation and believing enough that you could create a product that will draw people into your product. I think Cyberpunk... Whatever the next game is, will be one of those games. Very similar to like Grand Theft Auto 6, right? When Grand Theft Auto 6 gets announced, it's only going to be for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC. There's just no way you're going to see it on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. 
maybe an online update, maybe a new online version for those consoles, but I don't think you're going to see Grand Theft Auto 6 on those older consoles because Rockstar knows that if someone wants to play Grand Theft Auto 6 and they don't have these consoles, once we announce it's only coming for those consoles, they're going to do whatever it takes. They're going to start a side hustle, <laughs> you know, to 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 get those four or $500 together to buy that new console, or they're going to make the money to build a better PC if, if it's launching on PC, which I think it will. Uh, they understand that. And I think that's that's the first lesson that CD Projekt Red needs to understand about the next Cyberpunk. It just should not be for Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. I think they're a team that has shown that they are more than ready and willing to really push the technological envelope and use everything that's available to them, whether it's DLSS, FX3, um, path tracing, ray tracing, to to make the game, you know, one of the best looking games we've ever seen. Obviously, you need a rig that's going to be able to run it. Um, but I hope that they, they that that's one of the lessons that they that they take that we we can't make the same mistake again, where we we had this great ambition to create a video game. But now we are stopping ourselves because we want to have it available to a bigger pool. You know, um, so I really hope that that's one thing that they do. They also did confirm that the next prod, the next cyberpunk, which is right now a codename Project Orion, is still in the conceptual phase. And apparently they have yet to decide if the next game will be in first or third person, which I think is a really interesting conversation to have. I know that there's some people that look at it as like, oh, you know, they could go the Bethesda route and do first and third person. But Bethesda's third person is useless. Let's be honest. When I play Starfield, and it's still pretty much the same as the other Bethesda games, where I'm really only using it at certain points to see my character, whether I want to see uh, the armor that my character is wearing or if sometimes if I'm running around different towns or if I'm running on a planet, I'll scroll back into third person. But combat in third person, that's a never. I never, ever do combat in third person on, on, on uh, uh, Starfield because honestly, it just really doesn't work. <laughs> it's just, it just honestly just does not work. So unless they can build it in a way where the third person really feels like a dedicated third person shooter... Um, I, I feel like, you know, just stick to one, either stick to first or stick to third. I think you're going to lose a lot by not having, um, first person, but maybe you do third and you can have a first person camera when you're having conversations, maybe something like that. Maybe that's a bit of a compromise, but you can't actually do combat in first person. I think that might be kind of cool, um, to see, uh, a cyberpunk in third person, I think would be kind of neat. But uh, obviously, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, another story according to uh, about Naughty Dog, according to Kotaku, 25 developers were part of an internal downsizing with the majority coming from quality assurance. Full-time staff were not affected, but all staff were reportedly pressured to keep the firings quiet. The multiplayer game has been put on ice. So... This is kind of interesting in terms of this year alone. You know, we're sitting here, we're talking about how amazing this year has been for video games. Definitely one of the best video games in our industry's entire history. But it's also the year that's without a doubt filled with the most layoffs. Someone had created a chart and I retweeted it 
And the chart that they created showed that out of this entire year, uh, and, and this tweet was like at the end of September, out of this entire year, there have only been three total weeks, three separate weeks in the entire year where there wasn't a layoff announcement. For the rest of the year, there was at least one company announcing games, announcing layoffs within our video game industry, which is awful. I mean, awful. And obviously just last week, we were talking about Epic Games. It really feels like, I can't remember the last week in Camp Koji where there wasn't a shout out, where I was like, shout out to this company and these employees because they were let go. And to, to, in today's shout out, there is another company that had layoffs that we're going to talk about. Um, but obviously I wanted to focus on Naughty Dog because I was, a, you know, a bigger story last week in terms of layoffs because it's Naughty Dog, right? It's one of the biggest, um, most critically acclaimed, commercially successful studios in our video game industry, the makers of The Last of Us. And... Um, you know, 25 developers might not seem like much, right? I think to a lot of people like, oh, it's only 25, you know, Epic, we just heard about was over 100. Um, but, you know, anyone getting fired, I feel like maybe you don't feel the full weight unless you're the person that's getting fired, you know, to show up to your job and some of them maybe not even show up to their job, just get an email or phone call saying, you know, you no longer have a job here. And then to find out through sources that Naughty Dog was apparently asking their staff to keep it quiet, which is another obviously awful thing to hear because, you know, at least every other company, when they've done a layoff, they've just come out and just said it. Like, hey, we've had to lay people off. They give us their bullshit ex excuse as to why <laughs> they had to lay off. My favorite still was last week, Tim Sweeney saying, man, you know what, guys? We actually spent too much money. So <laughs> I fucked up. So I'm going to have to fire over 100 of you. That... Hands down, that's my favorite apology of the year, without a doubt. Or I guess apology in quotations. So uh, to find out that, you know, Neil Druckmann didn't, didn't step forward, take it on the chin and say, hey, this is what happened. This is what we, we felt like we had to do. We had to let 25 people go. For them to just do it very quietly and tell people, yeah, just kind of don't tell anyone about this, <laughs> you know, uh, in the current climate that we live in, of course, something like that was, was, was going to get out. That was not going to be kept, um, secret. And, uh, apparently the multiplayer game is now officially on ice. According to Kotaku, one of their sources told them that the game hasn't been canceled, but it's officially been put on ice. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really weird to, to, to see what's been happening with Naughty Dog over all this time. And um, I feel like it shows the importance of building proper teams to get the, the right things done and understanding that every team that's built has their strengths and every team has their weaknesses. And I talked about this a bit last week about PlayStation, which is... You know, is it wholly impossible for the Last of Us team to build the multiplayer game? Of course not, right? A lot of people to this day are still playing that Last of Us Factions multiplayer. They did something. They created something. But we are at a point in time in video games where multiplayer is a completely different beast. At one point in time, multiplayer was tacked on, usually at last minute, right? It was something that was, you know, a small team built it on the side, 
right? Uh, we've heard that story with Halo. We heard that story with Gears of War, with Goldeneye. These multiplayer games that was that were built internally kind of just for fun. I think uh, Gears of War and Goldeneye, I know, were, were built in, in mere weeks to be put into the game. And obviously, they, they, they found that success. But as broadband got wider and wider, as multiplayer became more and more important, as we are now in this climate of free-to-play multiplayer games, you need a much more dedicated mindset to create a multiplayer game. And um, the fact that this has now been put on ice and the feeling that we're all getting is that it's put on ice because they haven't found the proper way to sell it. Um, it's just very, very interesting. And now it's even more interesting that we find out with these firings that the game has officially been put on ice. So we don't really know what that means. We know that Neil Druckmann has confirmed that he's working on something new, some sort of new single-player game that we don't really know about. Could it be that that's in trouble and more of that team has had to move over? You know, Could it be Last of Us Part 3? We don't really know. Uh, it's just kind of a, a very interesting story, and it'll be interesting to see kind of where it goes. Um, and, and that's it. Like I said, there really wasn't much to talk about this week. So we're just going to go over this week's Hot releases, October 10th, we have Forza Motorsport, PC, Xbox Series X, and Game Pass. October 11th, Honkai Star Rail comes to PS5. And October 12th, we have Cook, Serve, Delicious coming to Nintendo Switch. I still wanted to do a little wrap it up, the stories we did have time to get to, I guess, this week. Uh, Sony announced a new app coming to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 consoles that offer playstation plus premium and deluxe members access to a bunch of sony pictures entertainment films uh this is definitely one of those moments where i could sit down and say i told you so if you listen to camp koji i brought this up well over a year ago when we were talking about game pass and i was talking about playstation plus and i said what does sony have that xbox doesn't and i said they have a a a vast music and movie media company. That's just something that uh, Xbox does not have. And I started talking about bringing a lot of those benefits over to PlayStation Plus, and that's exactly what they decided to do. A bunch of people now are talking about like, oh, you know, now Crunchyroll might, might be part of this. Once again, I said that years ago. Um, yeah, and it looks like that's exactly what, um, what's happening here. Three years after allegations of sexual misconduct inside Assassin's Creed publisher Ubisoft first surfaced, French authorities are moving ahead with a criminal investigation. Five former executives were detained for questioning on October 3rd, including former VP Tommy Francois, CEO Yves Guimau, uh, and, sorry, and CEO Yves Guimau's former right-hand head of creative, Sergei Hascott. I don't, I don't know exactly how you pronounce that. Um, it, it's, you know, this is a story that we spoke about on Camp Koji. I remember when this first broke and we all had a lot to say about Yves Guimont sort of, uh, trying to sweep it under the rug. I think there was like a, a Ubisoft forward event where he sort of addressed it at the beginning, but kind of not really, <laughs> you know, like you could really tell that Ubisoft's sort of PR play for this whole thing was to try to sweep it under the rug. And, you know, we hear a, about these stories. We've heard about a lot of them over the last few years. They've been numerous. It's really 
incredible to see one of them actually move forward to that next step. Because we've seen like these small lawsuits, but to have this conversation about an actual criminal investigation going moving forward, um, you know, fueled by allegations at one of these companies is obviously an amazing step forward. And, you know, I really don't have much more to add to it than that because, you know, that's kind of it. That's really hopefully the beginning of this story that ends with uh, justice being served. According to Daedalic Entertainment, that was the team behind that Lord of the Rings Gollum game, they claimed that the apology that was written for that game was written by Nacon, the company that published it, and they used ChatGPT to do it. <laughs> it it's kind of funny because I remember first reading it, and I was like, this kind of sounds like something that you would pump through ChatGPT. And I think at one point I was going to make a tweet about it, and I had gone to ChatGPT myself and I wrote, write a game apology, write an apology for a video game just to see if I could get something close. But it wasn't so close that I felt the need to, to you know, tweet about it or anything like that. Um, but th this this is right. I look at it. It's like, you know, a lot of people are like criticizing, like, oh, man, how could you guys write ChatGPT? I'm like, this is what ChatGPT is there for. It's there for people who just do not give a shit. <laughs> of course, they're going to use ChatGPT. Of course, they're going to do that. They don't look at the way they released that video game. You think this public publisher gives a shit or cared enough to actually sit down and write actual words? These are people that have no feelings. And finally, Redfall received its promised 60 FPS mode. Now, I had talked about Redfall on an episode of Camp Koji. I, th I believe the episode is called Deadfall, where I said that there is no way in hell Microsoft is going to revive this game. You're not going to see a cyberpunk, no man's sky type of reverse for this video game. I stand by that. If I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. But I've said it before. I'll stick to it. I don't think you're going to see anything like that. I think that, you know, they did promise 60 FPS. Of course, they're going to go ahead and deliver that and they're going to do it. But I think from now on, it's just about stability. I don't think you're going to see them adding anything super crazy in terms of, you know, new features or really adding to it. Uh, I, I just don't think it's worth it. You know, I think that a lot of people need to come to grips that, when these decisions are made, and obviously we'll use Cyberpunk as a great example, it's not, in, um, unfortunately, delivering a promise is not enough for the people who run these companies. They don't have these warm feelings of guilt in their soul where they go and they read reviews and they look at what people are saying. They go, no, guys, we can't do this. We can't do it. Let, let's, let's, we're going to have to go in the red. Let's, let's lose money this quarter or, uh, let's lose money this year in order to make sure we deliver on what we promise. No, 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 no. That's not how any of this works. Um, there has to be a balance. Of course, that's a part of it. Of course, you're going to have people within CD project red, for example, that are going to champion for something like this to happen. But the other side of it is, is there a financial benefit to doing this? Once those two things, you can answer yes. We have a passionate team that wants to do this. We're ready to do it. And financially, it makes sense for a company. That's when you uh, have almost like a renaissance 
for a video game. Redfall, on the other hand, you have no on both sides. You have developers who we know from insider sources, I think it was Jason Schreier that broke this, that we have a development team that were hoping that the game was canceled, that were praying for it to get canceled because they did not want to work on it because they felt like they were forced to create live service. They were forced outside of their uh, their bubble of expertise that was built through Dishonored and through Prey, for example. So you already have a team that's not super passionate about what they created, unfortunately. I'm sure that that's not 100%. But the other side of it is it financially doesn't make sense. At one point in this game's cycle, uh, the Steam concurrent play account was two. There were just two players on Steam playing this video game. When the game first launched, it peaked at over 6,000 players. In the latest 24-hour peak that I looked at it, and this was after that 60 FPS mode was released, the peak was 53 players. 5-3. So you launched with over 6,000 people playing it at the same time. Now you release this 2.0. You tell people, hey guys, 60 FPS is a lot better. And obviously, look, we're only looking at Steam, so this, you know, this doesn't speak for everyone. You, you know, we, we have no numbers on how many people came back on um, on Xbox, but for you to start with six thousand, only fifty three people came back when you released this two point update, which was you know it was more than sixty FPS. They also was some performance changes and things like that. Um, so now you also don't have the financial incentive. I don't, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure Xbox is looking internally like, yeah, not that many players came back. And it's not about players coming back either. It's about, well, how many players are going to stay? How many, how many Redfalls did we sell after that 2.0 update? How many people are actually buying it for retail? Or is it just people that are on Game Pass that are like, oh, wow, I heard this game was not good at launch. I have Game Pass, might as well download it and try it. That's not enough of a financial incentive to, to kind of keep this game going and try to, like I said, rebuild it and relaunch it. It's kind of funny to look at in hindsight because if Xbox would have delayed this video game, they actually would have had a, a pretty solid year, right? Redfall was definitely like the wrench uh, and obviously Starfield wasn't like, it didn't live up to the hype. But more so, Redfall was like their big flop. But when you think about their year, you know, Hi-Fi Rush, uh, that Minecraft game, I think was really well received. Uh, unfortunately, I can't even remember the name of it. Sorry, I'm not a Minecraft fan. Um, Hi-Fi Rush did really well. Forza's doing well. Starfield did okay. Like I said, wasn't super great, but it also wasn't bad. Imagine if this game would have released this month. Imagine if this week was the date for Redfall. And they would have had like this nice Halloween push for it. And it would have released in the state 60 FPS, you know, and it would have been much more polished. You know, they would have had a much better year. The game would have obviously done a lot better. I still honestly do not understand why the game wasn't delayed. I understand that you have to eat that cost when you delay a video game. But is what they released better <laughs> You know, to release in such a a horrible state in order to get those reviews that those reviews aren't going to be wiped, right? It's not like Metacritic is going to refresh and 
all these outlets are not going to re-review the game now that the 2.0 update is done. You know, you really only get one shot at it. So it's just kind of surprising that they didn't just delay it, knowing that like, hey, you know, this is like a horror type game. Let's delay it till October. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Shout outs of the week. Shout out to Telltale Games. Um, as they've confirmed, they've let several employees go. As I said, it really feels like every week we're, we're uh, talking about a different company has let people go. Just, just horrible, horrible stuff. And then finally, shout out to Avalanche Studios. Uh, that's the Avalanche Studios group, which is best known for Just Cause and CD Projekt Red. Both of these companies, they had employees that announced that they were unionizing around 100 employees at Avalanche Studios. I couldn't find the exact number of employees at CDPR, but it's great uh, to hear about more and more unions happening in this industry, especially in this year where we've seen so uh, many layoffs. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Please follow us on Twitter and YouTube at Cam Koji for future updates. Once again, I'm Joel, and I will see you all next week.